In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome back to Issues Week on the Politically Georgia podcast, where we're discussing the issues in Georgia's race for governor. I'm Greg Bluestein, and I'm joined by the AJC's Scott Truby, a business reporter, to discuss the issue of city-state relations and how that impacts Georgia's race for governor. Thanks, Scott, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, let's get the baseline here. What we've had for the last eight years has been something sort of sort of unprecedented. Governor Nathan Deal and former Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed were, were kind of BFFs when it came to city-state relations. And this bucked a trend for a long time with the city and the, the city hall and the governor's office kind of antagonistic, regardless of, of what parties control both offices. Right. Even when there was Democratic governors, they weren't um, as uh, on such good footing with, with a Democratic mayor. That's right. I mean, you know, they had a, this partnership and it was forged around economic development. Um, you saw Reed, uh, you know, go to the uh, White House and help sell the feds on deepening the Savannah port. Uh, you know, back when Obama was president. Yeah, back when Obama was president. They strong needed, Democrat. Yeah. And then you had, you know, Deal and Reed partner on on major jobs recruitments. I mean, and to the point where you had the business community, which is marvel over the fact that you had this bipartisanship that had not existed for so many years. And then that proceeded to go into issues like transportation with Deal, you know, supporting, you know, transit initiatives and and, and, and other transportation initiatives that helped not only Metro Atlanta, but the city of Atlanta. It was just an unusual partnership. And maybe their crowning achievement, or at least one of the biggest achievements, was the Mercedes-Benz one point, I think that was ended up being $1.6 billion, $1.5 billion Mercedes-Benz stadium that required um, city and uh, state subsidies. Both of them were on the same page on that throughout and um, they both got it done, even with a lot of opposition. And you'll remember, uh, Reed had to step in at the end and carry that over the finish line because the uh, state legislature you know, balked on some of those uh, funds. So, um, and uh, funny you mentioned Mercedes-Benz, the recruitment of Mercedes-Benz USA, which actually went to Sandy Springs, um, Mayor Reed was actually a big part of that, even though the development didn't go to the city of Atlanta. Uh, uh, Mercedes talked often about the fact that uh, Mayor Reed was involved in that. Now, of course, a lot of North Fulton people you know, helped uh, make that a possibility, too. I don't want to diminish that, but it was an interesting partnership. And to a lesser degree, that those good relations have extended after Reed has left office with his successor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, as mayor. Um, the, the governor and his top aide, Chris Riley, have a, have a warm relationship with her. Not as, not as close as Mayor Reed, because that was built over seven years, um, but a warm relationship. And they've worked together on several initiatives, including trying to lure Amazon's second headquarters. And the state is 
whole hog, fully supportive of the Gulch project right now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, you've seen uh, Riley, uh, Chris Riley, chief of staff, and uh, and Governor Deal both come out in support of the Gulch. You've seen them offer warm words for Mayor Bottoms in public. Uh, you've seen the state commit uh, their sales tax uh, portion uh, to the Gulch development. Uh, you know, and of course they do want to uh, court Amazon, and the Gulch is one of those sites. But um, I mean, the governor has said he wants to see that site developed. You know, and and I think that's regardless of whether Amazon picks Atlanta or not. And and then the two are you know, working together on the Norfolk Southern recruitment. Uh, Norfolk Southern, for those of you who don't know this, own land in the Gulch. They want to sell that land in the Gulch. But they're also looking to do a headquarters deal. And they're looking at Midtown uh, to potentially do that. But they want to sell their land to the developer of the Gulch to make it happen. And so they're all working together on that project. And so recently at a town hall meeting, you saw some top senior state economic development officials imploring Local residents who are concerned about the public subsidies that would be that would be required to get uh, this five billion, this massive development of the Gulch, um, saying, you know, if we can't, if we don't get this done, we won't get Norfolk Southern's headquarters somewhere else in the city. Yes, that's right. And and uh, for uh, recruitment of that nature to become so public is very unusual too. Uh, for those at home, um, the state often does not talk about its deals until a deal is done. Well, there's a question about whether or not this dynamic could change with whoever the next governor may be. Um, let's start with Brian Kemp, because he hasn't chimed in much on the city-state relations. He, he said sort of, you know, uh, broader-based, uh, you know, I'll, I'll work with, with whoever the mayor is and to improve economic development in the city and try to get big projects. But one of the big things he did chime in on was he slammed Bottoms' decision to block the city jail from housing more federal detainees facing deportation. Um, he said that was pure politics and gotten something of a war of words with her, which is typical if you look at top Republicans and top Democrats sparring over a very contentious topic. But in terms of the Atlanta city-state relationship, that's that's not been typical. They've been on the same page in so many issues. Yeah. I mean, for the last seven years, again, the, the deal-read relationship has sort of dominated uh, the, the state of metro Atlanta politics. And you had Bottoms and Kemp spar over immigration. Uh, you know, uh, Bottoms took a shot at Kemp over uh, uh, immigration, saying she wasn't going to listen to somebody who was in a campaign ad pointing a gun at someone, mm-hmm. uh, which was a pretty sharp rebuke of one of uh, Kemp's uh, famous uh, ads. Uh, and then, you know, she's used the immigration issue in general and the uh, her order to halt the ICE detentions uh, to raise her national profile. And, you know, similarly, you've had Kemp use immigration to raise his profile statewide. So that has been quite a dynamic, uh, sparring dynamic. Um, now, one thing I do think we ought to keep in mind, uh, Kemp has courted rural Georgia quite a bit uh, as part of his uh, campaign push. But he's also been a statewide lawmaker and he's run for statewide office before. And I do think that, that Kemp, understands at least the case that Governor Deal made with, with and that um, former Mayor Reed made, that Georgia needs Atlanta and Atlanta needs the rest of Georgia. And so it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic evolves. Can they find ways to work together even when they disagree on other things? A lot of his campaign messaging is focused on running up the score in rural Georgia in a way that following the Trump template, right? Um, I mean, Republicans have won in Georgia in past years by winning the suburbs and doing pretty well, you know, winning by sizable margins in the rural areas. Well, Trump lost the suburbs of Atlanta, but did unbelievably well in rural Georgia, winning 80, 90 percent of the vote in some counties. And so a lot of Kim's messaging is is focused on, yes, Metro Atlanta is doing great. We want to keep on having, you know, success in Metro Atlanta, but we want to bring some of those jobs spread the wealth in a way. Yeah. Um, Stacey Abrams is going to be really interesting to watch if she's elected governor in this position because she started her her public role 
her, her, her public role of her career, at least, um, as a deputy city attorney for the for city of Atlanta under Mayor Shirley Franklin. So she she knows more than many former many other gubernatorial candidates. She knows better the ways of city hall, how it works, how legislation works, and and what it takes to to get something passed in city hall. Yeah, I mean, and and what's interesting is uh, you know you 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 have two women um, who uh, you know they share uh, they both were from Atlanta. Um, they share many of the same political interests. And they both have emerged as these rising stars within the Democratic Party, both at the state level and nationally. Um, but in, in July, you saw uh, Bottoms endorse Abrams at Ebenezer Baptist Church, which was a big symbolic moment. But they're not necessarily natural allies. I mean, they, they have, uh, uh, though she did endorse uh, Abrams, um, she didn't endorse her during the primary. And there was, you know, uh, some support that she gave. Abrams' rival, Stacey Evans, during the primary. Yeah, she was seen as uh, she. Uh, Bottoms actually donated to Evans' campaign, uh, you know. So you can say it's a veritable don- uh, endorsement. It wasn't a you know full throated endorsement, but she gave to her campaign. And there was a lot of talk about um, doing doing the primary season, but Bottoms coming out publicly and being a very strong surrogate for Evans, especially with the African American female uh, community, because that was such a huge, important voting block still is. But for the Democratic primary, that was something, you know, uh, 45% plus of the Democratic primary vote were black women. Um, so there was talk about that that never came to fruition. And I think partly is because the poll numbers always showed Evans pretty far behind, double digits behind. I don't think Bottoms wanted to, to make that risk. But then after the primary was over, uh, once Abrams won, Bottoms quickly endorsed her, and then, as you mentioned, had that big event at Ebenezer. Um, still, though, you know they're not they're not natural allies, as you mentioned, right. and so that dynamic will be really interesting to watch. Yeah, it will be, and you know, um, part of that carries over. I mean, um, um, Bottoms' uh, predecessor Reed was not necessarily a natural ally with with uh, Abrams either. So, you know, how the two women work together. I mean, I would I would think that as governor, if Stacey uh, Abrams is elected governor. And as mayor, Mayor Bottoms, both being of the same party, having many of the same interests aligned, you you would think that there would probably be a lot of natural alignment between the two of them on their on their views and how they work together. Um, so you know we'll have to watch that. And some things really to, to to keep a close eye on are not just the Gulch project we mentioned and also the Amazon project we mentioned, but criminal justice reforms. Um, Stacey Abrams, one of her big pitches is to end cash bail in Georgia. Well, the city of Atlanta has already taken steps toward that, and they've had mixed re- reactions so far. It's been mixed results, um, and and part of it could be a, an issue of, uh, of of not of insufficient data. Um, but we'll be watching how that has played out in the city very closely, because if Georgia lawmakers are going to go take another step next year statewide or the year after that statewide, 10 cash bail, then Atlanta will be the sort of testing ground for how that proposal works. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, and, and you know, um, um, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic, dynamic plays out. But if Atlanta is the test bed, um, you know, a lot of eyes nationally will be on the city for this as well. One major issue that Georgia lawmakers already began considering this past year, and it's a perennial issue. It has come up time and again since the 1960s and 70s, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an issue that the next governor will have to deal with, is the state takeover, the state oversight of Atlanta's airport. And Republicans made this a big issue earlier this year with the, with the ongoing corruption saga, the corruption probe into Atlanta City Hall and its handling of the airport, the crown jewel of the city. Um, we didn't see that get very far this year, but there is a study committee underway with some key Kemp allies on it. Kemp hasn't said whether or not he supports 
uh, the, the the full privatization uh, takeover of Atlanta's airport, but he has appointed he has supported the, uh, a look into it, and the city is fighting back fiercely. Um, Mayor Bottoms does not want the state's the city's crown jewel taken away from him. Yeah, uh, she doesn't. The council doesn't. Um, but I think a lot of eyes are on wherever this federal corruption probe goes. Um, that probe, you know, has uh, uh, put uh, a few members of uh, former Mayor Reed's administration uh, uh, under the microscope, and two have pleaded guilty. Um, um, and you know, that centers around contracting. Uh, and we know that some of the subpoenas have looked at airport contracts. And so you've had Republicans who are interested in potentially taking over the airport use that to help make their case that this needs to happen. Meanwhile, you've had the city, like you said, fight back fiercely. They've, they've had a, a, a GOP operative, Robert Highsmith, a very well-connected attorney and lobbyist, you know, who have been fighting and making the case to say, no, you don't want to do this, that this needs to be with the uh, city. Um, if that takes on new legs uh, this coming year, it might be because of things emanating from that federal corruption probe, but we just don't know where that probe is going to go. Exactly. It's sort of, it's it's one of these issues that's been bubbling in the background for years long before the corruption probe, but the corruption probe helped give it more uh, oomph, I guess. That's right. And the city's main point, their main response is essentially goes like this. Under city leadership, the airport has turned it from a small little air, airstrip into the world's busiest airport. Why mess with that success? Yeah. And they'd say not only the world's busiest airport, but the world's most efficient airport as well. Uh, that That is their sales pitch. And, you know, that that uh, operation has helped bring us to, you know, so many Fortune 500 companies, uh, bring in other big business. It's helped uh, this area grow. And so they, you know, they think that's their biggest point to say, look, you don't need to change the horse midstream if we're, all these good things are happening. But how that develops over time will all depend on things such as the corruption investigation or other things that come out of the study committee. Scott, thanks for joining us. Sure. And that is all for this Issues Week episode. Stay tuned for our next edition. You can head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia, where you'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us because we really appreciate your feedback. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.